The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back, and I am back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. Uh, coming off of bye week, off week, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the Tigers after uh, that disappointing loss to UCF on the road a couple weeks ago. The Tigers with a big matchup, a top 25 team coming into the Liberty Bowl, or at least a top 25 team according to uh, the AP and coaches poll, not necessarily the college football playoff poll, but SMU returns to the Liberty Bowl uh, almost exactly, Evan, two years after SMU played at the Liberty Bowl, a sold-out Liberty Bowl, uh, on the day college game day came to Memphis. Um, Lots happened in those two years. Uh, (laughs) Different coach, a pandemic, um, and now a a season uh, for Memphis football that feels like it's, you know, teetering on the edge of – you know, obviously already it's been uh, they, they've suffered some significant setbacks here, uh, but they are in danger of falling below 500 for the first time. in, I believe six years or maybe longer 2013. So that's eight years, eight years. They're in danger of falling below 500 for the first time in eight years. Um, so uh very interesting situation the Tigers find themselves in. Evan, first of all, thanks for holding down the fort the past couple weeks as I adjusted to life with another uh, another kid. Um, oh, we, we we didn't just adjust. I think we actually kind of thrived a little bit. We had we had oh, some fun on go. here. We had there some fun. You. Jason Jason held it down really well. We had we we kept the good chemistry going. Uh, obviously, your seat is is a great seat. We can't fill your shoes, but. Uh, we did some running in our own shoes, so uh, we had we had a ball. But I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad that you are now enjoying uh, your second arrival, your second child. So congratulations, officially on here. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So let, let's let's go to the football because I, I I think this game is really interesting. Um, we'll get into the nitty gritty and in, in terms of in terms of who's going to play quarterback for the Tigers. We'll get into that in a second. Um, and, and what sort of the keys are to to pulling off an upset. But I do think it's interesting, given that it's two years since college game day, to kind of take an overarching view of what's happened uh, for Memphis football during that time. Um, obviously, soon there, you know, that SMU game was is kind of a touchstone moment in the sense that if you if you read the reports that came out after Mike Norvell took the Florida State job, his first interview with Florida State was after that SMU win two years ago. Um, that's when he started talking to Florida State, and it's it's an interesting, uh, I guess, point in time now because you know I do think there are some questions about you know I think this is. State game because it's two years after that SMU game 
where the result, especially if it doesn't go Memphis's way, is going to make you consider, okay, where has this program, you know, what's, what's, where's this program gone in those two years? Where's it headed two years from now? You know, like it, it feels like it's a, it's a breaking point, if you will, or a point in time, a touchstone moment. And I guess I asked you that question. I mean, obviously the program is not in as good a shape now as it was two years ago. They're four and four. Um, and they're kind of, you know, I think they're in the worst kind of spot in the sense that, you know, they're not, it's not, it's not really bad. It's not some terrible program within the AAC, but obviously, you know, they were on the outside looking in in conference expansion and this round of conference expansion. They've seen the AAC add teams that, you know, frankly are, you know, most of them don't, it doesn't. They're not the type of teams Memphis fans want to want to be grouped with, right? Um, and, and then I think you've got some questions about, you know, can this coaching staff get it done at the level the past two coaching staffs have gotten it done? Um, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying that you know when you're sitting at four and four, and you know, frankly, in two of your last four games you're going to be an underdog including this one um you know people are you know people have gotten used to winning around here and winning big and um i guess i would ask you evan i mean where where do you how would you describe the state of the memphis football program at this moment in time i think right now i'd say it's probably on shaky i'd say shaky ground i i think that right now you're looking at a program that two years ago we would have said hey the sky is the limit. Everything is going well. You know, there's a talk about maybe getting to the Cotton Bowl and everything else. But you look at where the program is now. I mean, you just look about look at who's left. As as I wrote this week, look at some of the transfers. Um, you look at kind of how the product on the field has changed from being an offense that was really exciting and fun fun to see to an offense that cutting the, the program felt cutting edge in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you Especially were, on offense. Yeah, like the offense was basically the emblematic of a team that was exciting and fun. And now you see a team that's not so exciting. The offense kind of reflects it now. It's a very predictable, yes, you got some fizzle, and, I mean, some sizzle, some pop, but you don't really have a team that is, you know, must-see in the sense of, hey, what's, what's Memphis going to do next to, like, light up the scoreboard? Or what playmaker besides Calvin Austin is going to just dazzle you in a way? Because that was the other thing. Memphis had a ton of playmakers on that 2019 team. This year, you know, we've gotten used to Calvin Austin. You've seen Sean Dykes. You've seen, you know, J.J. Russell. But you don't see the, the wide number of playmakers. And also, um, you, you look at you look at Ryan – things have changed with access with Ryan Stewartfield. I mean, two years ago – this again, pre-pandemic, we we'd be able to watch practice and you know stick to what Mike Norvell's rules are. Now, different rules under Ryan Schofield. We're not able to see practice anymore. Um, it's just a little bit more. You know, we're on closed Zoom. off. He's yeah. closed off the program. In in here, and I would say to in Ryan's defense, he's operating much more like most college football coaches operate. Like Mike yes. Norvell, to his credit went against the grain in terms of access to his program. What Ryan's doing is honestly more in line with what most college football how they operate now. I yes. don't agree with it, but at the same time, 
I don't necessarily think he's doing anything out of the ordinary in terms of access to the program. No, I think that's that's fair. That's fair to bring up too. I think now, but with everything else that's going on, it's just one more thing that's like, okay, things have changed. And if you look on the field right now, we're looking at a Memphis team that's four and four for the first time in three years. You're looking at a team that right now probably has to win. You know, it's probably going to go into its last game of the season, needing to win to get to a bowl game. And you got a bunch of injuries that are affecting the program. So it's just like you wonder kind of like what's going to happen these next four games. But if you look ahead to next year, you see the the number of seniors on this team who are going to be either fifth year seniors or redshirt seniors. And you kind of wonder, like, what's where, where are those guys going to be? So I think right now. As you mentioned, if the game two years ago was kind of a, a high point in the touchstone for where the program had risen to, this game could be a case of like how things could go the rest of November in a sense, because you mentioned SMU's a tough game, Houston's a tough game, even ECU and Tulane aren't necessarily gimme. So this, well, this game team's with- shown there's no gimme's left. No, this game. Like there, no. there's no such thing as a gimme for this team. <laughs> no, at this point. so, so even though just- they, they should beat Tulane and ECU. I, you know, you can't just pencil it in there. No, and I think that's kind of why, like, my point was the SMU game, I think now is going to be kind of an interesting moment to see where does this team go? Because if they lose, they'll be under 500. And you wonder what's going to happen for maybe the crowd from Memphis ECU next week or how interested people are going to be when basketball season starts. So I think it's you made the good point that two years ago that game was a high point. This game is going to be a kind of another crossroads where what could happen for the rest of this this uh this season, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's well, because it's interesting when you, you can look at it two ways. One, I mean, when Ryan got this job, one of his one of the main reasons he got the job and one of his main sort of points he made when he got the job was he's he's here to keep this thing rolling. And obviously it's not rolling the way it was two years ago. At the same time, the level of success Memphis had continually there for, you know, making the AAC championship game, what, three years in a row. Right. Um, you know, winning 10 games, two out of three years. Like, ultimately, it was the greatest era, greatest run in program history. And so, to a certain extent, sustaining that continually was probably unrealistic. Like, keep it rolling was probably unrealistic. The the question is, and I, and I don't know if we, we don't have an answer to it yet, is can Silverfield get it rolling again? Like, a downturn was probably, a, not, not a dramatic downturn, but a downturn was probably inevitable just in the sense that you know, Memphis was, you know, Memphis was one of the most consistent programs in the country, and you know, every, even the the blue bloods of college football. You know, Alabama's had down moments, and you know, Georgia's had down moments. They're they're awesome this year. My alma mater, Michigan, has gone. You know, like they, they you know, for decades they were rolling, and then they didn't get it rolling, and and then they they lost it a little bit. So some of this is inevitable, and I think what as we look at this game and this stretch run of the season, November, which by the way, during the Norvell era was when. Norvell's teams performed their best. That was one of the great things about the Norvell era. Those teams got better as the year went on. And a lot of their big moments, they they dominated in November. I don't know if this team's going to be able to do that, but I do think for Ryan Silverfield, like his job is not in jeopardy. But no. 
No. I do think in terms of the if we go if we're talking about where's this thing headed, I think there is a huge difference for him between this team going 5 and 7 and this team going 6 and 6. I think it's important for him and for the program to be able to say going into the offseason, you know what, we had a down year. It didn't go as we planned, but you know what, we still made a bowl game. Um, I think that is really, really important here as we look at these last four games of the season. This program should be focused totally on, okay, let's get to a bowl game again. Let's keep that streak alive. Let's not let that die out. Um, And and I think, as I've said previously, you know, I do think there is something to be said about, you know what, having a bad bad year to a bowl game. I think that's a sign of a that's that's a sign of health within a program. Um, so uh, you know, and and it's not to say you know your BMI is great, but like <laughs> at least you're somewhat healthy. You know, um, you know you you can still you can still run a mile, so to speak. Um, and so I think that's how you need to look at these this last stretch of the season is that because I think if you if you if you don't make a bowl. Well, that's when we're really talking about next. If, if this team goes five and seven, um, I think you're talking about Ryan Silverfield going into next year with us with a decent amount of pressure on him to kind of prove like, hey, I can get this thing rolling again. And I know it's just one game, but it would likely mean, frankly, you lost another game that, you know, f- fans feel like you should win if you go five and seven. Whereas if you go six and six and you, let's say you. You're competitive with SMU and Houston, but ultimately lose. You go six and six. I'm not saying that fans are going to be happy, but I think it's probably given, you know, everything that happened. I feel like you go in and you go, all right, well, you know, okay, at least we made a bowl. Like, I mean, it just, I don't know. I, I, to me, I just think well, let me, anecdotally, let me you're going to feel better about the season. Well, let me ask you this, Mark. I mean, you you understand the fan base as, as almost as well as anybody here. Do you think that people will get excited about a six and six team in a bowl game that maybe isn't against a power five team, but against somebody who doesn't really inspire much? I, I don't. I don't think people are excited, but I don't think they're furious. I don't think they're upset. You know what I mean? I, that's what I think. I think people will just kind of be. What it'll be like, whatever, which isn't the greatest place to be as a program with your fans going, well, whatever, but it's better than them being upset, you know? And I think if they go five and seven or four and eight, people are going to be upset. And frankly, I think rightfully so, uh, given where this program has gone. Um, you know, I think it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for this team. Um, you know, if they can go four and oh here. I think there's a way to just like that team in 2018. I think there's a way to spin this where fans would feel satisfied. But I, let's just be honest; that's going to be a very tough sled, sl- tough sledding. That that 2018 team, if you look, remember, the schedule was was very, very easy, very easy down. Like it, they won four games in a row, but it was four games they were favored in. Right. Um, this is game, different. Yeah, the only game you could say for three years ago was maybe a, a toss up with Houston, but and they also did. Yeah, that was at home, and if I'm not mistaken, Ed Oliver, I don't think, played in that game. So, yeah, that was a much, yeah. you know, different slate. So, um, I guess that's how I would describe it. It's just, you're not, you're, you're, it's going to be hard for, and I don't think fans should be satisfied with what happened this season. 
But I also think if you can salvage a six and six season, go to a bowl game, maybe win that bowl game, I think you can you you fans won't be as upset. And that's what I think if you're Ryan Silverfield in this program, that's what you're trying to avoid now um here down the stretch. See, I, I would just I would agree, but I I'll disagree on one thing, because I think if you look at the wins only, you could say, yeah, you could say that's a positive. You mentioned something that was different about the Norvell teams. Those teams got better in November. Those teams showed some sign of improvement. Even last year, you saw Memphis start to improve as the year went on. You saw them, you know, outside of the South Florida game, make strides. They beat Navy. They they had that two-lane hiccup, but they they made some strides. What I would want to look for as a fan is, is this Memphis team— Well, see, and I I would actually counter that and say, I actually thought that team last year played its best football early in the year, and— it, it did. It didn't get better as the year went on. They just got, frankly, frankly. If we're going to be totally honest, I think last year's team was a lot like this year's team. It just had a veteran quarterback who, <laughs> three different times down the stretch of the season, went out and won you a game. You True. know, and like that record looks a lot different if Brady White is not the quarterback of that team. Yes. Um, yes. You know, he he helped turn. He 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 sing, you can argue the UCF game, the USF game, and, and what what Houston. and Houston. Like if you have any other quarterback out there, Memphis probably loses those three games, and suddenly what was an eight nine win season looks a lot different. Right. Um, so, so so let's yeah. so let's let's but go on that. To your point, I agree with you. I think like you know the feeling you the, the last taste people have in their mouths about a season matters and if yes, yes. this team's stumbling down the stretch and continues kind of this uneven play that they've had recently um or you know that's uh that that's going to be trouble now if we look more that's more of the macro level if we look micro i, I think a big part of how this month goes is who's going to be the quarterback because uh, Peter Parrish obviously made his debut two weeks ago against UCF. Uh, it did not go well. Um, you know, he, he played admirably. You know, it wasn't a lack of effort. But, you know, let's just be honest. His arm wasn't great. He, he had trouble throwing downfield. Um, the, the game plan was flawed. Um, for whatever reason, he was throwing the ball 50 times. Uh, and, and the running backs were not running the ball very much. I think, what, Brandon... Brandon Thompson Thomas five, five, six carries. Five carries. Five carries. Um, he is an. It is an. He does have uh, some capabilities with his feet, Peter Parrish. But um, you know, I think obviously to me, I think six and six is going to be difficult if Peter Parrish is the quarterback over the next month. So Evan, I, I ask you, what are the vibes you are getting about Seth Hennigan's health? Um, is he going to be available against SMU? Do you feel like, you know, if, if he's not available against SMU, do you think he's close? In? Like, What's the status of the quarterback position right now for Memphis? So from talking to Ryan Silverfield, basically, and of course, you know, Ryan was obviously, you know, going to say enough, but not plenty. He did say, though, that Seth Hennigan has not gone through a practice 100 percent yet. Um so this is as of Monday. As of, mon- as of Monday. Now, they did not practice on Tuesday because that was the day off for Election Day, um, my understanding of that. So as of right, again, we're recording this on Wednesday. We'll see what happens with Seth Hennigan at practice. But as we heard, 
he hasn't gone through a practice hundred percent, and we won't know till game time how he is. Um, and obviously, mm-hmm. when we spoke to OC Kevin Johns, officer coordinator, we obviously can't ask him about injuries and stuff. But basically, he talked a lot about kind of what Peter Parrish would be able to do in terms of just you know he's good. At, you know he was good running the ball. They thought he was good with the zone reads and RPO. But as we discussed before we got on here, I'm not too sure that even the RPOs were were a strength for Parrish in that regard. Um, but basically, they talked up Peter Parrish a lot. And granted. We couldn't ask so much about Hennigan, but if you read between the lines, they are prepared, it seems. If Hennigan can't go, Parrish will be the guy. But obviously, we won't know until Saturday morning who's out there warming up with the first team. Um, and so we will see. But it gives the impression of if Seth Hennigan plays, you have a chance at this game somewhat being respectable. If Seth Hennigan does not I play— you have a chance to win it if Seth Hennigan plays. Well, let's— Let's not go that far yet. I still think SMU is a little bit better. But if Seth Hennigan doesn't play, then we're going to be looking at the media guide for probably the largest blowouts previous to 2016 because clearly Memphis has not lost often at the Liberty Bowl the last five years. So we'll be looking at to see how how, how wide some of the blowouts have been because it could be really ugly. Um, now I don't want to. I don't want to paint SMU's good. I, they're not world beaters, Evan. I mean, like they have a great offense, but they. <laughs> That's why I think it's important Hennigan's out there because if Hennigan's out there, you're going to score points against their defense. Yes. Um, yes. The, the problem is is no. If, if I agree that if Parrish plays, that you know it's a it, it's a tough road to win this game. Um, but I think if Hennigan's out there, he's shown enough where, you know, I think they could. You know, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily predict them to win. But I think they have a chance. Um, yeah, they have a chance. Yes, yes. We'll be fair with that. I'm just saying if, if, if Parrish is out there, based on what we saw against UCF, a team that was not good on offense, what's going to happen against an SMU team that's been lighting up the scoreboard, even though their defense statistically has not been that good, which we know SMU has had for years. They've had okay defenses to poor defenses. But we're just being honest, man. I mean, if, if – if, if Parrish is out there, you're in a big heap of trouble because can you trust your defense to stop SMU enough times? No. And can you trust this offense to try to find some ways to move the ball downfield? No. So you really, like you said, this team needs Seth Hennigan to play. But I guess, again, we won't find out until Saturday morning. So we will see. Well, and if Parrish has to play, they've got to approach this differently than they did against UCF. It felt like watching that UCF game, Evan, that Peter Parrish was running Seth Hennigan's game plan. Yeah. And that made no, it made no sense. And, and frankly, it was, I don't even know what, the, like that game plan was, whatever it was, whatever, however, whatever the reason was that he threw the ball 50 sometimes or whatever, nearly 50 times. And Brandon Thomas only ran the ball five times. Like that's not, frankly, like that's like, that's on Kevin Johns. Like that was awful. Yes. It was yes. awful. And and he deserves every sort of bit of like I don't blame Peter Parrish. I don't blame I don't blame the players. Like that's a coaching mistake. And if it's because UCF was loading the box and you're running RPOs and your reads say, you know what, when they, when they're showing this defense, you got to throw the ball. Well, like stop running RPOs. Like like yes, like, Peter Parrish. Like honestly, like they need to run. Like I'm not saying they should run the triple option. Like that's how you should approach Peter Parrish. He should be throwing the ball to keep defenses honest, not yes. throwing the ball regularly. Um, yes. You do have an added weapon here in with his legs. 
And I think you that's what you need to emphasize. And frankly, I think the key to this game against SMU is, one, you, you want to limit the number of – it's almost like the opposite. It's almost what teams try to do to Memphis um, You want or Memphis teams of the past. Right. You want to keep Memphis – you want to keep SMU's offense off the field as much as possible. And frankly, SMU is going to do exactly what UCF did. They're going to load the box and say, we are not going to let you run the ball to beat us. But frankly, the only way with Peter Parrish's quarterback for them to win this game is for Memphis to be able to establish the run, even if SMU is trying to do that. Um, I think it's a big game for the offensive line, who I thought played poorly against UCF. Um, And and I think for the defense, the defense has been, I think, much improved the past few games. Um, And this is, you know, this is a game where, you know, I don't think you're going to stop SMU, but you've got to limit the big plays, make them, make them have to work, make them have to move the ball down the field. Don't be giving up big explosive plays against SM, against yes. SMU. Um, yes. That, that feels like it's, that's going to be an important facet for, for uh, Memphis. And then, you know what, get some, you know, Figure out ways to get pressure on the quarterback because, frankly, I think if you're not getting pressure on – is his name Tanner Mordecai? Yep, yep. If you're not getting pressure on him, he's probably going to eat you up. Yeah, like essentially if, if Memphis plays a similar defense that they played at Mississippi State where they kind of sat back and didn't want to give up deep plays, um, SMU's receivers are much better, just to be honest. So I think we saw a strategy that worked against Mississippi State to a point – but now you're doing it against an SMU offense that's well-oiled, you know, a little bit more on rhythm. So I'll be curious kind of how defensively um, Memphis chooses to attack because I think they have they have what they've done okay and done well, but now they're going to have to do it against, you know, one of the top offenses in the country. Yeah, because SMU is seventh in the country in total offense. Um, and here's an interesting stat, Evan. They are um, – Top 10 in passing offense, ninth in passing offense, and they've only given up five sacks the entire season. Ooh. Only They've only allowed five sacks, so it's hard to get, get pressure on them. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a really impression, impressive offense that Sonny Dykes has. Um, and, but they are coming off a loss to Houston, a, a loss that um, – Really, uh, they really fumbled away in the sense that uh, Sonny Dykes had some poor clock management at the end of the game, kicking a field goal earlier than he should, and then their special teams gives up a a special t- a kick return touchdown that ends up winning the game in the last thirty seconds or so. Um, so it is a uh, it's an interesting matchup uh, for Memphis, a matchup whether they they're 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 five point underdog something like that. I think yeah, it's been back down a little bit. Yeah, they started at seven. I believe now it's probably five and a half to five. Um, so it's it's coming down in Memphis's favor, but odds are and odds. Also, also Rodriguez Clark is a game time decision for Memphis as well. Yes, and I actually feel like Drake Clark might actually be more of a question than Hennigan because Ryan Silver told us that he did not practice um, yeah. last week during the open week. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Here's a stat to to watch for. I think Memphis doesn't win this game if it rushes for fewer than 200 yards. They're going to have yeah. to rush for over two. They're going to have to have a monster day on the ground to win this game. 
Um, and uh, that, that's right. I think that to me is a magic number 150, 200, whatever you want to go with there. But like they need to be able to run the ball in this game to win. Yeah. It. And, and just so you know, SMU's run defense, I believe, I was looking it up when we were talking, SMU's run defense is 54th in the country, and they allowed 77 yards to Houston last week. So I think that's exactly what you kind of have to do. They've, they've, they've shown themselves to be an oak, a good run defense. But, I mean, well, yeah, but, well, run, de- run defense is what they do better. Ultimately, they are probably going to try and turn the game into – Peter Parrish has to use his arm to beat us if Peter Parrish is playing. Um, or, if, frankly, even, I think it's probably the same if Seth Hennigan's playing because they are – Evan, they are 111th in the country in pass defense. Teams have been able to throw the ball on them. Um, I'm just not – that's why I think Memphis has a chance if Seth Hennigan plays. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I give them much of a shot if, if – like they can win a shootout potentially – if Hennigan plays and is and is healthy enough to throw, you know, to look at least mostly like himself, um, I, I don't know uh, if they can pull that off with Peter Parrish because you know, unfortunately, like I just don't think throwing the ball is his strength. Uh, but maybe he'll be better with two weeks to prepare. He's not coming off his his first game, and you know, ultimately, the good news is is that you know whether Hennigan plays or not. We, we talked about the big picture of the program. You have at least established this season, no matter how this goes, you know, ultimately, you don't, I don't think you don't want to risk a long, some long-term injury by playing him too early if he's not ready because he is, you know, he has been, when you look at this, you know, one of the bright spots of an otherwise kind of bleh season for Memphis yep. football. Um, yep. And he gives you hope that, as we put, as we said, that Ryan Silverfield can get this rolling again at some point. Um, maybe it starts Saturday. I don't know. Perhaps this is a, a seminal. You know, this feels like it. Just like I said at the top, feels like a very interesting moment for the program, coming two years after it feel like feels like this thing really climaxed um, with that college game day experience, and then the nationally televised sold out showcase at the Liberty Bowl where. They beat SMU in a shootout, um, and it was a lot of fun. And 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 you know, hopefully the fun is is right around the corner again because this, um, to be honest, past past few past month or so has not been fun for Memphis <laughs> football. Yeah, so we'll see. Hopefully, you know, the, the crowd comes out. It'll be a cold Saturday, but hey, come on out, get you some breakfast. It'll be eleven o'clock kickoff. You know. Let's have some. Let's have an early morning fun. It'll be homecoming, so there should be you know people out there looking to enjoy themselves. And who knows if Seth Tennigan plays, maybe we're due for another surprise with a thriller. So let's see. All right. Well, we'll have uh, plenty of coverage over at commercialpeel.com. Evan and myself will be at the Liberty Bowl for the game again. 11 a.m. kickoff. Memphis SMU. Uh, Tigers trying to avoid falling below 500 for the first time since 2013. We'll recap it all next week on the podcast. Till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan. Thanks so much and have a good uh, rest of the week. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of a commercial appeal.